1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's a high
2: fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's us hit deep to left field and it's our Big fly, Nolan Arenado. there's a moment
0: for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, the driving jam time! The Billikens
3: win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback
0: pattern
1: caught. Touchdown! Kansas City.
3: Now, sports
1: on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice KMOX.
2: All right, great to be with you on a Sunday, Kevin Wheeler here. Good to be in for Tom Ackerman. I think the words are better now. I think the hour got me right. I'm. Um, uh, I just feel like the, the 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 thoughts are flowing more clearly. The caffeine has taken effect. You um, know, uh, being a nighttime guy, generally speaking, um, it's not that I don't wake up early enough in the morning. Although I do usually sleep in a pretty good amount. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It just sometimes it takes me a few minutes to get the brain working, and that was the beginning of last hour. We're doing pretty good now. All right, so we're live in the Seafol Sports Studio. We got a lot to take care of in this hour. Coming up at eleven thirty, we're going to let you hear Chris Pronger's speech from his his uh, jersey retirement, Uh, and it's great. I mean, like it's funny, it's super interesting. There's a lot of great stories. And think about it. I mean, like this is he is the ultimate tale of why you don't judge trades when you first hear about them. Right, you don't judge a trade. I understand the circumstances. We all know how popular Brendan Shanahan was, but we, we as fans, and I'm including myself in this, we as fans, tend to rush to judgment when deals happen, for especially trades when they involve successful, popular, veteran players. And I think it turned out okay. <laughs> I think it turned out okay. Uh, Chris Pronger was a Hall of Famer, and you know you you. D- I, I don't know that you got the better of the deal, but you got the longer of the deal. You know, I mean, Shanahan was not in, in Hartford for that much longer after that fact. Any, anyway, that stuff was great. I want you to hear what Pronger had to say earlier in the week. We'll do that at 11.30. Uh, coming up at 11.45-ish, uh, we'll have Randy Orton. Tom Ackerman spoke with the St. Louisan, who obviously is involved in the world of wrestling. we got the Royal Rumble coming to town January 29th, so we've got that for you a little bit later on in the hour. I want to do baseball between now and then. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about. So you, you know find people like me and, and you know, some of the people that are just more regular baseball writers. We're coming up with creative ways to talk about the game while we wait for the owners and the players to figure their stuff out. Ooh, I had to censor myself right there. I almost said something other than stuff. Ooh, good thing I didn't. It's Sunday. <laughs> Family listening. But you know, I think we're all tired of this. I think we're all tired of this. And I understand all of it. I know how. I know that labor negotiations are usually ugly. I know that nothing usually happens until we run up on a deadline. That doesn't mean it's not annoying. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't expect grown human beings to be able to to sit in a room and talk through these things rather than, you know, just okay, you're going to move one inch, I'm going to move one and a quarter. See, I moved more than you did. Like, it's nonsense what's happening. It's nonsense. They're going to find some sort of middle ground. There's no correct answer. Now, I am more on the side of what the players are asking for this time around, especially, not money-wise. I don't care what professional baseball players make. I just don't. I don't I don't hate it, and I don't root for it. I don't care. I do think the best players should be the highest paid. I do think they need to do a better job of not... Manipulating service time for young players, I don't really have an issue with the pay structure in the sport. Like, all right, minimum wage could go up. Great, fine. I, you know, it's not like it's not like five hundred thousand dollars a year is chump change. Like, I don't care that much about that. You're, I don't. I know they're not going to get these players into free agency sooner artificially by reducing the number. But what I would like to see is something that keeps teams from artificially manipulating when they arrive in the big leagues. I don't think that is in the spirit of any kind of sport, where you're going to say, you know what, this guy's definitely, not only is he one of our top 26 players in our organization, but he's probably one of our top five or six, but he's going to stay in AAA for two or three weeks, because then we get another full year. How does that make any sense, and how did the MLBPA agree to this? Any system that can be manipulated like that is goofy. So fix that up just so that it's not – so you don't get an extra year for two weeks of sitting a guy because that's that's not going to keep anybody from you – know, nobody's going to sit there. And, and some teams don't do it that way, and I appreciate those teams. The Padres did not play that game with Fernando Tatis Jr. Some teams don't do that. But it's a ridiculous thing, right? I mean, I think we would all agree, just on a rational level, for sitting somebody in the minor leagues for two, two and a half weeks, you shouldn't get an extra year. Because these guys are already locked into your organization essentially for 10 years. Most people spend three or four years in the minor leagues after they're drafted. Some of the college guys are shorter than that. Some of the crazy rock stars are sooner than that, right? Guys like Acuna and Trout, they'll break in at 19 or 20. But that's really rare. And a guy like Acuna doing that, he signed when he was 16. So he did spend four years in the minor leagues. So you're controlling these guys for 10 years. Because you got them for six once they are major leaguers. So th- to me, that's enough control. We don't have to, <laughs> but but artificially holding people back just to get an extra year. And again, I'm not saying it's you know the the executives that are choosing to do it are doing it because it makes sense and because they don't want to get fired, right? Because if you just don't do that, and your owner's gonna be like, why are all our good players so expensive, or why are they all going into free agency? earlier than they should. and you be like, well, I didn't want to hold them back. Well, you should have held them back. I understand how that works, but that's something that I'd like to see changed. You don't need to change the whole structure. Main things that, if I'm the union, the main things that I'm going to be paying attention to are fixing that so that service time cannot be manipulated artificially. And by artificially, I mean for non-baseball reasons. If a baseball player is ready to play in the major leagues, he should be in the major leagues. That's how it is in every other sport. If you're good enough to be in the NFL, you're on the team. Right? I mean, you're on the team. They're not – and I understand it's a different – they don't have a farm system. Well, they do in the NHL. And if you're good enough to be there and you have a spot in the roster, you're going to be there. They have their own set of things, right? They have the whole – Do we, you know, like the game that they had to play this year, the Blues did, um, with uh, with neighbors. You had to figure out, are we keeping them or not? Well, we got the nine-game trial – Because if we go past that, it's a full year of service time and all that stuff. And it's a similar idea, but it's a little less manipulative. So I hope they would fix that. They do need to address competitiveness of certain markets. Looking at you, Pittsburgh. And not just you, Pittsburgh, but you're the worst of it all. They've had like three winning seasons, four winning seasons in 30 years. See, it should be painful to lose. But it's not anymore. Nobody loses money by losing unless they have a big payroll and lose. And even then they don't lose because the TV money and the revenue sharing for a place like Pittsburgh is just so good. We need to get it so that there's not a big incentive to just drastically cut payroll and just make a lot of profit. Just take home the money. Because every dollar that Pittsburgh doesn't spend on their roster, they get to keep. I would love to see it set up where you get your revenue sharing, but if you don't spend it on talent acquisition... So that would be international free agency, the draft, and, of course, your major league roster. If you don't spend it on that, you got to give it back. You don't get to keep it. You don't just get to put it in your pocket. you got to give it back if you're not going to use it. It shouldn't be just a little, you know, hey, buddy, good job owning the team. Here's $10 million extra for you to put in your bank account. That's not what it should be about. But the two sides will meet again tomorrow, I'm sure. What we're going to hear is because this is when the players are going to counter offer what the owners just offered, and we're going to hear from the owners how it's unacceptable. No, no, it's a non-starter, and they're going to do this whole game until they run up on a hard deadline, which is basically early March, and then they'll figure their stuff out because they, know, they both know how this is going to go. That's what frustrates me. You're not going to tell me that the leaders on both sides don't know exactly how this is going to go. The players are going to give in on the bigger playoffs, 14-team playoff, which means more TV money more revenue, that's going to get the buybacks. That's going to get you the things you're asking for. It's going to get you an improved minimum wage. It's going to build. They're going to build some anti-tanking rules into there. Maybe a draft lottery. Maybe a few other things. And I don't think tanking should be outlawed, but tanking perennially should be outlawed. Like, you shouldn't be able to tank for a decade. You know, if you have a bad situation and there's only one way out, alright, I mean, look, Astros and Cubs did it. You know, can you really blame them for the strategy? It worked. But it doesn't work as well when five or six or seven or eight teams are doing it. Because only one team's getting the number one pick. You know, you don't have that many stud draft picks going around where it makes that big of a difference. But they are all getting wealthy doing that. Because the lower your payroll is, the more you're taking home. Because the TV money is guaranteed. And I hate hearing this. Well, players have guaranteed contracts. Yeah, you know what? The owners do too. Their TV deals are guaranteed. And those TV deals are in the billions. It's not just their local rights, it's the national rights as well. So hopefully, these two sides will see some sense and not disrupt the regular season. Because to me, as long as they don't disrupt the regular season, in the end, this is not going to be a big deal. And I've been, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic about it, but I've been on the side saying they will get a deal done because I think they've all lost so much money in the last two years that they don't want to lose anymore. Because if this gets into the regular season, it's going to cost us half the year. Because once you get to that point, then the players have a whole lot less reason to, to move quickly because then the only leverage they have is holding out more and causing the owners to lose out on more revenue. So if it gets to the regular season, it's not going to go well. But I don't think it will. I think we're going to get to play. All right, I want to touch on two quick things when we come back on the baseball side. I saw a graphic tweeted out last night uh, that is the best franchise records in baseball since 2010, and it's got the standings of every division – for these last 11 seasons. We're going to take a look at that. Actually, it's 12 seasons now. Take a look at that, and also want to tell you about where I put Yachty on the all-time catcher's list that I put together for KMOX.com the other day. And I haven't had too, much people, too many people giving me a hard time, which I'm happy about. I thought more people would give me a hard time about it. We get to those
1: two baseball topics next on K. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning.
2: And it's our gutter. Big fly,
3: Nolan Aranato. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: All right, great to be back with you. Kevin Wheeler in for Tom Ackerman here on sports on a Sunday morning, coming to you live from the steeples Sports Studio. A little more baseball here, and I'll make it quick. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to let you hear Chris Pronger's speech from earlier this week when uh, he had that number 44 retired. It's it's great stuff. I mean, not not all speech. It's not easy to do a good speech in that setting where you're on the ice, people are anticipating a game. I know the fans, Blues fans love Chris Pronger, but it's not easy to be really good at that. And he did a great job. I mean, it's funny. There's some really good, poignant stories about, you know, <laughs> he's joking about it, but, I mean, let's be honest, it, it was probably very difficult to deal with at the time, but how he was received when he first arrived in the Shanahan trade. So we'll hear all of that coming up after the bottom of the hour, and then later on, Uh, We'll hear from wrestler Randy Orton, St. Louis native. Uh, He caught up with Tom Ackerman, uh, I think it was yesterday, if I remember. It might have been Friday, um, for it to air today. But you got a big event, the Royal Rumble, coming up at the Dome on January 29th. They'll have all the details for you a little bit later on this hour. All right, so two quick things to focus on for baseball. One, I saw this last night on Twitter, and I retweeted it because I thought it was interesting. It's not an own anybody kind of tweet. It's not, oh, you fans are spoiled kind of tweet. It was just an interesting one to me. And there was an account that tweeted out. Uh, it was it's it's the game day MLB tweeted this out yesterday. It's all of Major League Baseball ranked by their record since 2010, and it's broken down by division. So if you look at the divisions, uh, like in the American League, the top record in the American League West for the last since, since 2010 is Oakland. Hmm, that's not a big market team, is it? That's a low revenue team. They have the best record in the American League West. Cleveland in the American League Central Division. Cleveland. You can probably see where I'm going with this. Now, New York is the top one in the American League East, but Tampa Bay is right behind them with 1,000 wins in that time. So Tampa Bay has the fourth most wins of any franchise in baseball since 2010. So in the American League, three of the top four are all small market teams. Hmm maybe the competitive balance isn't as bad as we think. Now in the National League, obviously the Dodgers dominating the West, and they have the best record in baseball in that time period. Um, Washington is the team in the East, and it's really close between them and Atlanta. Only three games separating them between 2010 and 2021. So yeah, it's pretty close. And then the Cardinals dominating the Central. 72 games better than Milwaukee during that time. Now, in reality, it's like, that's, you know, five games a year, something like that. So it's not that big of a gap. But, I mean, it, it looks big when you consider the, the broad scope of it. But, but again, Atlanta's not a major market, although it's a big market. Team, but Atlanta and St. Louis are, are similar in terms of their revenue. They're very similar teams. And the fact that those are two of the top four in the National League is interesting. And, of course, you know, the Dodgers and Yankees can spend their way out of anything – but keep in mind the top four teams since 2010: Yankees are, I'm sorry, Dodgers are one, Yankees are two, Cardinals are three, Tampa Bay's four. There's only two total World Series victories amongst those top four teams in that time, which tells you how hard it is to win the World Series, and it's also hard to be consistently that good. I just thought it was interesting in that there were a lot of teams that we think of as low revenue teams that are always cutting costs, that are always on the lower end of the payroll spectrum, but they're winning divisions. And they've, been, and they've been that good for that long. The other thing I wanted to hit on really quick, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, and just a uh, shameless self-plug, really. Um, you can go to KMOX.com and check out the piece I wrote about the top 20 catchers of all time. And that was super hard. I mean, I, I like doing lists, and I love I love doing research and talking and writing about catchers. I think they've been overlooked for far too long when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And I, it's part of the reason is, in the beginning of my explainer, kind of going through how I got to my top 20, is that defense is undervalued at the position for some reason. All of the guys that get into the hall are the guys that could hit. I mean, it's not the hitting Hall of Fame. It's the baseball Hall of Fame. And some positions, defense matters more than hitting. And really, in the modern game, the only position that's true of is catcher. It used to be true of, like, shortstop and center field. It's not anymore. Those are offensive positions now. They are positions where teams want players that can hit, but nobody cares about their catchers hitting. Just they just don't. So I put together a list of the top twenty. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the but the simple version of the of the explanation is this: catchers deserve more credit for defense, and we can worry less about the offense. You think about what they have to do, right? They've got to be a part of game planning and execute the game plan for every opponent for all of the pitchers on their staff, not just for the starters, but for everybody on the staff. How are they going to do and they got to do that every series? Then they have to adjust on the fly if the game plan's not working or if the pitcher doesn't have a pitch that's working on a given day and all of that. So get the mental side. You got the physical side. You got to catch 150 pitches a night, which means 140-150 body squats every single day. And you got to do that all season long. And then you get all the foul balls and blocking the ball in the dirt and controlling the running game and directing traffic on defense when the ball is in play. Yeah, most of their job is defense. Yet most of what they're evaluated on for the Hall of Fame is offense, which is dumb. It's dumb. So in my top 20, you might find some names that you're like, wow, I didn't expect to see that guy. That's okay. That's because they were great defenders. And that brings me to where I had Yachty because I had a hard time with it. In fact, this actually came up on a question from a question on the Dave Glover show last week, somebody asked me—I think it was Skip Weber—ask where, where, or maybe it was Dave, where would you put Yachty all time? And I'm like, mm, that's a good question. I don't really think of it that way yet. I do think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Don't doubt about that because he's arguably one of the three best defensive catchers ever to play the game. I mean, he's third in Gold Gloves. He's got he's got the second most defensive WAR of any catcher ever to play the game, behind only Pud Rodriguez. In the modern times where we have things like defensive runs saved, he leads since 2003. So he's got an 18, 19-year window where he leads, and he leads by a lot over the next closest guy with defensive runs saved behind the plate. I mean, he is one of the, again, one of the three, maybe four best defensive catchers of all time. And that's that's measurable. It's not perfect, but it's measurable. So I ranked him 10th, which seems high because he's only only a league average hitter. You're only a league average hitter, but you're also one of the three best defensive players ever. You you should be higher than somebody like hmm, Buster Posey, who's a great hitter and a good catcher, but not a great catcher defensively. He was good. He won a gold glove, but that's not nine. He's not close in defensive runs saved. He's not close in defensive war. He is a better hitter. So that's kind of your teaser, and if you want to check it out, you can go to KMOX.com and find that pretty easily. All right, let's hear from Chris Pronger. He had his number 44 retired earlier this week. His speech was amazing. We'll get to that next up here on KMOX.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Midella is your reward. Modella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Hey Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring.
2: And Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! America's Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, back in on sports on a Sunday morning. We're coming to you live from the Steeple Sports Studio. Kevin Wheeler in for Tom Ackerman uh, this week. Of course, Tom will be back in this chair coming up next Sunday. All right, let's hear a little bit from Chris Pronger. Um, look, one of the most decorated defensemen in the history of the National Hockey League. Certainly a popular guy in town. Didn't always start that way. <laughs> the beginning was a little bit bumpy, but obviously the story changed a lot. Uh, and it put not only Pronger in the position to be recognized as a Hall of Famer, but now has his number retired by the St. Louis Blues. Here's what he had to say about that during the pregame ceremony, his speech to the fans uh, when they made when they were doing the announcement right before they raised the banner to the roof.
5: <laughs> I know Curbs touched on it a little bit. I'll mention it a little bit as well, but uh, when I was traded here from Hartford, I didn't realize how big of a fan favorite Shani was, so thank you for allowing me the uh, first 60, 70 games of my career here in St. Louis to be known that I needed to step up my game a little bit. Um, I wanted to thank Mike Keenan for bringing me here to St. Louis. (laughs) Uh, He was tough. He wasn't always (laughs) a player favorite, but... uh, Uh, He certainly helped me in my career, obviously brought me here to St. Louis, to all you. Uh, That year we had Roger Nielsen, uh, a a coach who I knew from my days in Peterborough, who was instrumental in working with me that first year here in St. Louis. Uh, Jimmy Roberts and other, you know, what do you say about Jimmy? He's the best. He was, uh, always had my back. I know he fought my tooth and nail to keep playing me and, and work through whatever issues you may have had with me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he was tremendous to, to play for, and uh, I'll always be indebted to him and the bear for everything that they did for me. Uh, and then that year, with the veteran leaders that we had, what better than Fear and that? Um, you know, somebody that could always calm the play down and calm, calm things down when um, it got a little hairy at times as a young kid coming in here, uh, having somebody like Fierzy back there was, was awesome to allow me the time to, to make the mistakes and he would always just kind of accept the blame and meanwhile I'm over in the corner getting yelled at by Mike but um, <laughs> it happens uh, Brad Hull uh, was the captain when I got here to reminisce about the Hulley stories it might take too long, so I'll just leave it at that. We all know what he means to this franchise. Uh, you know, other guys like Jeff Cortnall, uh <laughs> was always somebody that I talked to, whether it be on the bus or in the locker room, he saw, he saw me uh, countless times go into the Mike Keenan Parade to get yelled at, and um, you know, he was another guy that I really leaned on for veteran advice and, and leadership. Uh, when we got Wayne Gretzky that year that's when things kind of turned your attention got off me and went to him (laughs) and uh, I I thank you for that it allowed me to kind of get my game straight and uh, you know watching him day in day out except the pressure from you the pressure from the media and the scrutiny uh, being able to see that up close and personal certainly helped me throughout my career and then obviously Al uh, you know, what do you say? Being able to watch that, night in, night out. Day in, day out, seeing how we prepared uh, for the games, for practice, training, uh, you know, eating habits, you know, how to be a pro. And, uh, you know, I, I think having that opportunity, had I gone to a different organization and not had a chance to play with a guy like Al, who knows where I would be? And, and uh, you know, there's so many great players that I played with the first few years here, as I kind of grew up in front of your eyes and learned my, learned to be myself, learned to play the game the way I knew how best. And um, you know, that first couple of years being booed and then being cheered was instrumental in getting through that adversity to allow myself to, to really kind of excel and 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 play the game to the best of my abilities and. And kind of flourish in front of you uh you know it really took a step further when we got joel quenville as our head coach Um, joel was awesome a former defenseman in the nhl and and knew what it took and uh was always talking about good stick and talking about positioning and um you know he was another guy that really took a hold of my game and, and really brought the best out of me uh, along with Mike Kitchen, who are, was our other D coach uh, after Jimmy retired, and um, working after practice, before practice in the video room, in the gym, um, you know, countless hours of just talking about the game, talking about the team, uh, what we needed to do to be successful. Um, you know, I thank them for all their hard work. Um, you know, you talk about a couple teammates that I'm not going to be able to mention them all, but uh, Jamie McClendon was with me here for four years. He was our backup goalie, but he was also my bartender and sports psychologist.) <laughs> and uh, you, know, having somebody like that to be able to talk to day in day out and, and really kind of step away from the game and kind of just have that type of friendship is, uh, you know, I think, another reason why my game flourished here in St. Louis. And then Pavel Dimitra, being able to practice against a player like Pavel. another highly competitive guy hated to lose always wanted to show you up in practice so being able to match up against him day in and day out in practice and you know watching his little moves he was so talented and gifted with the puck you're able to pick pick parts from his game and, and see it in other players that you're going to play the next night or in in coming playoff series so um you know i wish pav and, and maya and their boys uh i feel for every day knowing uh he's up in heaven but uh we, we certainly miss Pav. <laughs> Having Chaser, Twister, Rudy Poshek, Reed Lowe, you know the list goes on and on of these guys that had my back night in and night out that allowed me to play my game and my style. When you have guys like that that are willing to sacrifice themselves for the team and, and change the momentum of a game, uh, sometimes a, a hit can't do it or a spear can't do it, but sometimes these bad boys can. So um, I appreciate everything that they did for me to keep the, the other big guys and other teams off my back and, and allow me to do what I did best. So thanks, guys. Um, and all my teammates. Obviously being here nine, ten years, played with a lot of great players, a lot of great teammates, trainers, coaches, all the support staff over the years. It was first-class and nothing but the best here in St. Louis, so thank you to all, all of you. There's no I in team and the, the, the guys behind the scenes that do all the grunt work don't really get a lot of attention and focus, and, and they allow you to just focus on the game and, and do what you love to do. And, um, you know, the guys we had here with Ray Borelli and Bert Godin uh, were two of the best that I had. Uh, I wanted to appreciate and thank them for their hard work. To join the list that you see up here Bobby Gassoff, Bobby Plager, Barkley Plager, Brian Sutter, Bernie Federico, Brett Hull, Dan Kelly, and then obviously Al. Um, I'm extremely honored and and humbled to be up there with the Blues greats, and uh, I, I find it fitting that I'll be bookending with Al and we'll be out on the ice every day side by side again. I wanted to thank the Blues Ownership Group led by Tom Stillman, uh, management, and everybody for this tremendous honor. Thank you. To the Blues alumni who from day one when I got here helped me immensely and and probably don't realize how much they helped me, trying to acclimate to a new city as a young 20-year-old who. Occasionally had a screw loose and was being booed (laughs) Didn't really know what to do and how to deal with it at times and uh, having some of those those guys Calm me down talk to me talking to Rob Ramage or Blake Dunlop um, guys like that Instrumental and and now when we see players you're able to pay it forward and talk to the young guys and kind of talk about the Organization and and what what it means to the city and uh, you all are a big part of that as well. To my family, my brother, who I played against every day till I was 15. Took a few beatings, but I think in the end, I uh, I used it for a higher power. Um, thank you for always being my biggest supporter and, and being there to beat me up or take the odd slash behind the legs. <laughs> I learned it. He was <laughs> He was the crash dummy at times, so. Thanks for taking taking one for the team. Uh, to my mom and dad, who are obviously uh, incredibly supportive, driving me to practices, games, uh, everything that they did, putting their lives on hold uh, to help me chase my dreams and my passion.
2: Great stuff there from. Uh pronger i tell you what man that we didn't get to the end and i know we don't have enough time to get to the end but it was a fantastic speech beginning to end you can catch it uh at the blues website stlblues.com uh they put it all up there and of course i didn't mention the the bud light quote-unquote toast chugging the beer that was pretty awesome too uh congrats obviously to uh chris pronger but more importantly just what a career and you know from the from the beginning of it which i love how he joked about it the beginning of it being a little rocky and you know not people not being very happy about him being around to now you're at the point where you know 19,000 people are sitting watching you talk about your career at the stadium and cheering you on and all that. It, it was a hell of a turnaround, and that's because of the work that he did and the player that he became. Uh, so again, congrats to Chris Prager. Alright, coming up next, Tom Ackerman had a chance to catch up with Randy Orton, St. Louisan, professional wrestler, all of that um, before Tom took off for the weekend. So he we had a chance to catch up with Randy Orton. We'll have that conversation for you next up on KMOX.
3: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's our gutter. Big fly. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
0: We are back on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman, and joining us is Randy Orton. And if that name rings a bell, well, first of all, you're a wrestling fan. Secondly, you're a St. Louisan because he's from here and he is part of The terrific WWE and their group of superstars and the Royal Rumble takes place at the Dome at America's Center on Saturday, January 29th. Tickets are flying. They're currently on sale through Ticketmaster. Randy, great to have you on KMOX. How are you?
3: I'm doing just fine, man. Thank you uh, for getting all that info out. Thank you for the introduction, and, and lastly, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Uh, absolutely great to have you, and as soon as this was announced, St. Louis was buzzing. St. Louis has a great wrestling history, doesn't it? And so does your family.
3: Oh, my God, it does indeed. Uh, wrestling at the Chase, I can't go anywhere without, uh, you know, if, if people recognize me or, or are wrestling fans, and, and of course, being from St. Louis, they, they remember the Chase. They remember my father and... All the, the, the wrestling that, that the historically, Missouri, St. Louis in particular, is just a wrestling town. Uh, and to grow up here and be a part of the city and, and to still live here, in fact, a lot of people know that I, I grew up here. But um, I stayed, you know, I, I live west of the city and I, I, I enjoy it. i a Midwestern boy at heart.
0: You were the youngest world champion in WWE, and you uh, had it, as I mentioned, in the family, third-generation WWE superstar. Your dad, Cowboy Bob Orton, uh, your grandfather. And let's talk specifically, though, about the Royal Rumble, which you've won twice. Uh, what is What makes it so great? I mean, I remember growing up watching it as a kid.
3: Of course, yeah. Well, you know, it's been around a long time. Um... Uh, I believe the first one was in the the, the 80s, and we're this, I'm, I might be wrong, I might be off by one or two, but I think this is the 35th or so Royal Rumble. So, so, so that in and of itself is is pretty cool right there. But this is one of our biggest shows of the year, and to have it here in St. Louis uh, is course special to me but having it at the dome especially gives it that little extra you know energy i think that's going to be great for this huge show you, you've got forty thousand people in the dome i think is what that place holds with uh for a wrestling show and uh the first time we're there we're going to blow the roof off the top of the uh, that building um the royal rumble of course is huge um and I've won it twice, like you said. One more win, and that puts me in some very good company with Stone Cold Steve Austin as being the only other guy to win it three times. Um, I've gotten a lot of accolades throughout my career, a lot of achievements, but winning the Royal Rumble in St. Louis, that would probably take the cake.
0: Your finishing move, which takes a lot of people by surprise, is the RKO, which uh, are your initials, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Randy?
3: Yeah, yeah. I needed a name for that bad boy uh, going on 20 years ago, and um, kind of a play on on letters, uh, TKO, RKO. It just kind of worked, and um, it kind of went viral there, and, and I still see it. Uh, on social media with the memes and and everything. And, and it's, it's really kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, You know, all the, the, the blooper videos where people added in a Randy Orton delivering an RKO to, you know, a bride at the altar passing out (laughs) and falling or or something, you know, or or a, a little toddler busting his ass on the kitchen floor. Like it's, it's hilarious, and, and I've got five children myself, so like when the pool opens during the summer, you know, everybody's RKOing everybody into the pool, and it's, it's really taken on a life of its own, man. It, it's really cool, and I think at this point in my life, like just looking at, at everything I've done, all the people I've met, and places I've visited, performed in, like I'm just, I'm just lucky to be alive, man, and be here and, and, and enjoying this awesome career, you know, and, and with this awesome company.
0: And Randy, finally, we know that St. Louis is one of the great you know, hotbeds of wrestling through the years. But why do you think that professional wrestling is so popular nationally and has been for a long
3: time? I think it's just a form of entertainment that people really can associate with. And I think the way our storylines go, you know, there's always something, uh, you know, uh, that's going on in the world that our boss, Vince McMahon, will take and, and use as a plot line or a storyline. And, and people can, they can relate, you know, you, you have good versus evil a lot of times in the ring. So it's, it's, we're telling a story. It's uh, a lot of times I hear it described as like a soap opera um, of sorts, you know, like a uh, gladiator's, Performing in in, in a soap opera with all these storylines and, and, uh, you know, things that you have to follow on a weekly basis. And I think that there's with the three hour Monday Night Raw on Mondays, you have a lot of time to soak in all these storylines. And if you're not into something that we're doing, chances are you're going to be into something else that we're doing. You know, there's a little bit of something for everyone.
0: Well, a lot of people are going to be watching St. Louis on January 29th. It'll be broadcast exclusively on Peacock in the United States, WWE Network everywhere else, but you can be there. Tickets available through Ticketmaster, Dome in America's Center, the WWE Royal Rumble, January 29th, a Saturday, and St. Louis' Randy Orton, one of the most popular superstars in WWE history, will be part of it. Randy, thanks so much for being on your hometown Station KMOX.
3: You got it, man. Pleasure was all mine. You have a good one. You too. Hey. There you go. Tom Ackerman and Randy
2: Orton. have Again, the event coming up on January 29th. Um uh, been an interesting day, man. I'll tell you this these are the days where you, whether it's sports on a Sunday or sports open line, you do two hours and you're just like, where did it go? There's so much going on right now. Uh and look, I mean, tonight today, I mean you got Billiken's basketball at 130 here on KMOX. You've got uh, Bills and the Chiefs. Coming up at 5.30 with pregame at 4 o'clock here on Camel X. But in the middle of all that, we've also got the Rams and Buccaneers to fit into the mix. Uh, Not here, of course, but that'll be on my TV set. And then you've got the hockey game tonight, the Blues and the Canucks out in Vancouver. So it's going to be a great sports day. And pretty soon here, pretty soon here, the weekends get quiet for a little bit. And hopefully, hopefully by then, baseball figures their stuff out. Hopefully, by then, we can have some Grapefruit League games here on KMOX, get you ready for what looks like is going to be a really good regular season. The Cardinals look like a better team right now than they were at the end of last year. There's still some work to do, though. Uh, I'd say, you know, when the lockout ends, probably going to want to jump in and snag a free agent reliever, somebody that can jump in and help you now losing. Uh, Garcia certainly leaves you with a spot in the pen that you'd like to see filled. Uh, we definitely want to see, you know, what Jordan Hicks is going to look like coming back, but as as John Mozeliak has mentioned a bunch of times uh this off season you know the lesson learned from 2021 is if you think you have enough pitching go get more i mean they they just didn't have enough enough guys that were ready to throw quality pitches quality strikes at the major league level last year and certainly this year you're coming back with a few that you found out could and then you added a starting pitcher but i think we're still looking at a reliever for sure, and then we'll figure that DH thing out once the union and the league figure out whether there is even going to be a DH. So, busy day for you here on KMOX. Again, coming up at 115, the Billikens take on UMass. After that, it'll be the Bills and the Chiefs. So, stay tuned. Have a great rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Sports Open Line.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?